And the, the number one thing is that's it's just automating the follow-up, making sure that you're constantly having conversations. Here's the bottom line. Any part of real estate, no matter what you do, you absolutely must have conversations and make offers, period. Someone has to, some person needs to do that. And there, that has to be a person component because you need to verify the value. What's going on, guys? This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, the show that will help you escape the Wall Street casino and build wealth on Main Street by investing in real estate. Today, our guest is Robert Seifert, and today we're learning about adding automations to real estate investing businesses. And you know, he's giving us a mental model of how to think about these things, how to get started, when it's really an appropriate time in our businesses to add the computer programs or automations that will handle things versus handling things on our own in a, in a different way that he again describes to us how he got started as a real estate investor in in handling and tracking and following up on his deals. So much great information in here. I totally agree with him on, on so many of these topics. And, and I've seen changes and improvements in my business over the years as I've added automations and refined them and then kind of changed them from automations and brought them back into manual tasks. And I'm sure if you're out there, you're doing deals or somebody that wants to go do your own deals, that this information will help you so much. So there's a lot of awesome stuff in here from Robert Seifert. You're going to learn so much. I'm your host, Taylor Lote. I'm a real estate investor and I help busy people passively invest in commercial real estate. If you're interested in learning more and applying to join our Passive Investor Club for access to our passive commercial real estate investment opportunities, go to investwithtaylor.com, investwithtaylor.com. If you're an Apple Podcast user and you enjoy the show, please do take a moment and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. That actually really helps so much because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast little ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys, that gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street casino along with us. That's what this is all about. The show's all about helping you and helping you learn. And if you are learning something, all I ask is just slap us a review up there. Five stars if you don't mind. I appreciate that so much. If you know anyone who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please do share the show with them and bring them into the tribe. You can help bring someone else up with you. Again, that's what this is all about. If you haven't done so yet, no matter what podcast app you use, do look do look us up, the Passive Wealth Strategy Show. Hit the subscribe button, and that way you'll get every new episode every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Be sure to catch us here for future interviews with all of our awesome guests. Once again, our guest is Robert Seifert, and we're learning about adding in automations to our real estate businesses when it's when it's appropriate time to get started and uh, ways we can do it. So much awesome stuff in here, mistakes that we make along the way, how we can refine our automations. And when we maybe over-automate, we want to bring it back to doing things manually because that is a very real possibility. So without any further ado, here we go with Robert. Robert, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Taylor. Been a great conversation so far, and I know you have a lot of awesome information for us in there. And, and we're going to try to pull some of that out for our listeners today. For our listeners out there who don't know about you and your business, can you tell us about what you do? And then we'll dive into adding automations into our real estate businesses. Yeah, I think it's fair to give you a 10 second overview of what I sure. did to lead to what I currently do. So you don't understand why automation is important and, and why I can actually help you with that. So I, uh, quick and fast, spent over a decade learning and studying real estate and doing nothing with it until I finally 
dove all into real estate and went in, started flipping houses, wholesaling houses, eventually owned a turnkey management, bought and sold over 500 doors, managed over 500 doors for other people. In that, scaled my business, moved to Tampa, Florida, where I currently reside, and then learned all about software and automation the hard way, spending tens of thousands of dollars figuring out how to do and implement that in my business. Over the course of a year, I completely figured that out and dialed it in so I could scale my business even further to multiple states and instead showed that to someone else. And they were like, we want that in our business. How do we get it? We, you spend tens of thousands of dollars <laughs> and you figure it out, right? And what ultimately happened is I went out to California, sat down with my developers and realized there was a big, big need in our industry and that most tools out there um, just couldn't do what an active real estate investor actually wanted to do. They were mostly built by tech people um, who technically knew what should be done, but didn't actually live in real estate environment and understand the nuances of it, which is why it cost me tens of thousands of dollars to build my own for myself because of all those little nuances. In that, I became a a real estate software company um, and since then have scaled in that. I've mostly, well, actually, yeah, as of this year, I sold off the last part of my real estate empire, quote unquote, the real estate businesses. Um, I still actively do real estate. Like I'm in the middle of wholesaling a deal right now, but that's just more on a smaller fun scale and to always be testing and tweaking and playing with what's working in the industry and to keep building my own portfolio for passive cash flow. So my main focus is the software industry and being able to simplify the business and the efficiency of your business in real estate um, so you don't have to figure it out. And you don't have to spend tens of thousands of dollars figuring it out. <laughs> <laughs> well, great. I appreciate you catching us up to speed. And uh, really, one of the things I wanted to talk about today was how we can uh, like think about adding software and automation to our real estate businesses and then the line where that kind of stops and and where we need to you know make sure we're still using or or employing people or ourselves or or others and and I think you know we were talking about this before we hit record I think people um oftentimes are are trying to treat employees or contractors as automation whereas I th- I think that's really misguided when we get you know competent people we want them to think and bring ideas whereas software doesn't think and bring ideas it just executes so yes. let's talk about you know those those lines in that gray area yeah i'll clarify one of those lines right and that was definitely something we were talking about which comes to mind for me which is for me automation is not a person right that's leverage you're leveraging and i totally agree in leverage but nonetheless you just nailed it on the coffin it's not automation if a person is doing it because if a person is doing it it's not automatically going to happen Someone still has to manage the person to see if it actually did occur. Someone actually has to track what's going on. Someone, There's a lot of things that go into that, right? And that's not automation. Automation is set it, it happens on schedule all the time, repetitively without you doing anything to it, unless you come back and tweak the automation. So on the simple level, the things that you absolutely should consider automating and some that you absolutely must automate from my perspective is first and foremost, your follow-up, right? I don't care who you talk to. And in any industry, if there is a sale that is going to occur, a transaction between two people at some point, follow-up is the difference between successful and not successful. Simple as that. You could, Every Wall Street study, Google thing, Harvard thing is going to show you 
It's between the 10th and 30th, depending on which example you get, touch with a prospective customer before they actually do business with you. So if you're just in this business thinking, I'm going to talk to one seller or one buyer, and in that first conversation, I made all the money I need to, and that's the end of the game, move on to the next one, that's why you're not successful. (laughs) And I'm betting you're not successful if that's your game plan, because you must, 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 must think of that you're spending money or time to generate leads of people to talk to. Not everyone's going to say yes on that first phone call. Most people don't follow up past the first phone call. That's the number one thing you should automate. Yes, you could leverage it. I did when I first started out. I leveraged this. I hired a team of VAs. We had people do that work because it's the work most salespeople won't do. By the way, when you hire salespeople, they don't like to do it, (laughs) right? They like to have the deals that they can close right now in front of them. So what you should automate is following up with building and nurturing relationships with anyone that you do business with. This can be your sellers, your buyers, your contractors, your agents, your private lenders. I love and believe you should automate all that. And you can have it come from a personalized human touch by simply adding in, what would you say to this person if you call them back a week from now? What would you want this person to know about you or your business a week or two weeks from now? What would you say knowing that the only reason this automation is occurring is because you still haven't done business? or you're looking to repeat that business in the case of a private lender or a buyer, right? So having a well thought out email, text, voicemails, scheduled phone calls, all that should be automated so that once you've laid it out one time, you no longer have to think about it. You don't have to manage a person to do it and you don't have to pay payroll for a person to do it because technology absolutely can do all that and can be completely automated to do it. That you should absolutely automate. Something else you should consider. One of my favorite things to automate is simple tasks. So like there are redundant tasks that you know are going to occur, right? Like if I schedule an appointment to go see a house, well, I want the seller to know that I'm going to be doing that or to follow up with people. Or if I send an offer, I need to remember to follow up personally with them tomorrow to see if they have any questions, if I didn't get the deal right. Um, If I'm, you know, if a person is lead managing for me and they're qualifying, if a person even exists, once there's a transfer, they shouldn't have to go. There's a lot of things that we do manually in our business potentially that 100% can be automated for you where this person continues to do their focused job, qualify more people and literally click a button, automatically hand it off to the next person with all their notes captured and everything about that lead and not have to manually spend five to 10 minutes every time that occurs. That makes your lead manager way more active and efficient in their process, doing what they do way better. It makes your acquisition side way more better because they're getting more lead flow faster and they're able to decipher and they can go ask questions if they have to, instead of always making that the thing. The other thing you should consider um, automating would be the value of properties. <laughs> I can't tell you, especially in the beginning, and, and from a, let me clarify too, because there is a point where you should do deeper, but what I find and experienced myself was spending so much time before I even would pick up the phone to call and talk to a seller on trying to figure out what I thought the house might be worth. Yet, I can find out, number one, 10 times more information by just calling the seller. And <laughs> if they answer the phone, I may, it may not even, all of it may be irrelevant. They may answer my questions without doing any research. I, and I found, so we tracked this, right? In my business, as we started to scale, we realized, wow, we're spending about five to 10 minutes with a VA and some study and research before we even get on the phone. If we got a hundred leads, even just a hundred leads a week, that's 500 minutes being spent on this one seemingly small thing. That's not small when you start to scale, right? 
And so we automated that by making public available comps from things like Zillow, Realtor, that, that kind of stuff, right? There's publicly available stuff that could be automated to pull it in, average it out. And here's a ballpark of what this house might be worth. Pick up the phone and call them. So now that one automation re- removed, let's say at hundred leads a week, do your math. Even if it's 10 leads, that's an hour, right? Instead of five minutes, and if it takes you 10, right? Double that. You don't have to waste that time. No VA has to do it for you. You can get on the phone and have a ballpark valuation sitting right in front of you from that simple automation. That is one I would consider. Things that you shouldn't or probably shouldn't automate is relying on things like AI to say, hey, this AI technology can automate all my offers and just spit them out. Will it work? Yes, because it's a math formula, right? If I send 100 offers, one will probably get accepted, even in an AI environment. However, if I had a VA, pre-qualify, spend time, humanly talk with and care and concern about that person and their needs, I'm more likely to get a way higher percentage of deals done in the same amount of offers. And I'm also way more likely to get a higher spread in profitability from that human touch. Yet a lot of people want to figure out how to automate that because automation today is like, what else can I not do and have no one do and just (laughs) spit money in my bank account? And I would love for it to be that way too. But inevitably, there is a human component that has to happen and should happen, in my opinion. And that's what makes you more money and makes everyone have more value. I like that, what you said about what what else can I not do? Because it, it is, I don't know, maybe it's uh, laziness is it comes to mind, but it's it's folks it trying is. to do less and, and make more. And, and there's not really an easy button here. I think one of the, and we were again talking about this before we hit record, as I've learned my, for myself more about automation in, in my business and, and, and applied those lessons, it's been like a, a stepwise gain function in my, my business moving forward and, and improving those things, those systems and things has um, really helped us you know, grow and, and push forward. But I think one of the things that maybe kept me from doing it or ca- keeps other investors from adding automation is... It starts to say, like, when you're looking at it from the outside, it sounds like, man, this is really complicated. I got to have all this stuff figured out. You know, I, I, I got to have this perfect system before I start laying it out. Whereas, you know, in, in reality, we can start with pretty simple stuff and then build yeah. on it from there. You talk about that a little bit and how we cannot get um, maybe in too much initial scope creep and get, freak ourselves yeah. out and just not do it at all, you know? Yeah, the biggest, um, we were actually talking about this too, right? The advantage you have with one of your VAs that they manage a tool, they learn it, they study it, they apply it, they can make it better. Same thing with automation. If you're buying the automation because you think that the mere purchase of it is going to make your life simpler, it's not and don't buy it because there is going to be, no matter what anyone says, there is some amount of setup, there's some, some amount of effort Um, rather complex or simple depends on the system you buy, right? But there's work, right? Now, it also comes to where you're at in your business, um, what you should or shouldn't do. Because I'm going to give you a couple simple things that aren't automation, but are are setting the stage for what you would do on automation. And the way I learned this business is actually how I built my software. So number one, follow-up should be the thing that you absolutely automate. And if you find a system like ours, small plug for me, right? It already has pre-built scripting in it 
to, for the intent that I know being a real estate investor myself, what I'm not going to take the time to go do is go figure out all these steps. What should I say next for the next six months? So we've already pre-built it that way. Of course, you can go tweak it. But the reason I built it that way is knowing that you won't take on the complexity and it's the closest you're going to get to buying something that works out of the box, knowing you can go tweak it later. Because here's the reality. Wait till later to go tweak it because you just need to apply it. And as it brings you in more business and frees your time up, then you can take that free time to go in and tweak it and make it even better for you. But perfect and perfectly your way is not what you should be shooting for day one, right? That's the that's the how I ended up studying for over 10 years and doing no real estate. <laughs> I learned 10 times more during doing my first real estate deal and every deal after that than I ever did with all the study before that. And I'm not saying don't study, right? You absolutely should, and I continue to. On the flip side of that, if you're just small, or and small meaning like you have a couple of leads a week to manage, you don't need automation, right? You don't need automation to get started. Um, is there a benefit to it? Potentially, if you know you're going to put in a big marketing budget, then you could automate tracking and automate some of this stuff up front because you're going to dump a bunch into it. But if that's not you, then simply go get yourself a whiteboard. Or I, I had seven whiteboards in the beginning. This was wow. my mentor's thing. My mentor's thing was seven whiteboards. And if you're not rehabbing, you can cut a couple of these boards out. But it was very simple. The first whiteboard was right marketing at the top. On the left side underneath that, draw a line down the middle. On the left side, here's all the marketing I would like to do. Texting, cold calling, direct mail, PPC, Facebook ads, banner signs, whatever, buyer focus, whatever you're doing. On the right side, what marketing are you turning on right now? And are you committed to actually doing? You don't have to do them all, right? Do one, choose one, go all in and focus. And then the next board was hot leads. Who are the people I've talked to that have an interest in selling that sounded like that we could continue to have a conversation? So this is your follow-up strategy, right? If I write their name and their number on there or something that I'll remember them tomorrow when I look at that board again, oh, I should call Bob. His name's still on the board. There's your simple follow-up. It's not automated, but it's constant on your mind to say, oh, I do need to call. It's not on a sticky note or on a yellow pad. Ask me how I know you lose those things. I do that too, <laughs> right? And then you have... You get into the the next board being contracts. Now I made I made an offer from my hot leads. I've gotten that to offers, and now that I have an offer, I have an accepted contract. And now I just write those down on there. And if you only if you're only getting one a month, a whiteboard's more than efficient for you to remember to follow up on that one deal, right? Because now it's on the board, it's in front of you, it's in a visual place that you won't forget it. And you can put all this on one whiteboard if you want to, right? And then if you're rehabbing, there's two boards that I use for rehabbing. And then the last board is if I'm marketing out to buyers because I'm just going to wholesale it or get rid of it. And then same thing. Hey, this deal needs to close by X date. This is a potential buyer for it. And then I used to have a cork board, which was what I called my jackpot. I closed the deal and money went in my bank account. So every day, the whole purpose of this board set was mentally automating already, right? What marketing do I have that's going to bring me new leads? What leads am I working on that I could potentially make offers on? What offers do I already have accepted that I need to either rehab if I'm rehabbing so that I can get the profits, wholesale so that I can wholesale and get the profits. Nonetheless, I need to do something with this today that moves it forward towards a closing. Then I'm closed and money's in my bank account. And you're, that's all you're looking at all day. That's all I did for the first two years. I didn't have any software. For two years and 205 or 204 deals that I did nice. in that 14-month stretch, was 100% this whiteboards. That's it. Now, eventually, I just go to spreadsheets because there were too many deals in a month <laughs> to fit on the small whiteboards I had. 
Um, now I have bigger whiteboards, though. I probably could have fit them on that, but that's a whole other topic. <laughs> well, I think um, there's also a certain um, reward to writing something on a whiteboard. And then once you're done with it or you complete it, close the sale, you take the eraser or you maybe cross it out and then take the eraser and wipe it off or something. There's yes. there's a little uh, extra extra reward there. And, and I do agree that doing these tasks kind of manually at first, I think helps you build a, a mental map. And then if you step back and say, okay, where am I losing things or where could I be more efficient? Once you've executed this strategy and built it in your head, then I think yeah. you really can can inform your automation that way a lot more effectively. Totally. I totally agree. Um, I'm, I'm thankful and blessed that I learned what I would call the hard way. <laughs> uh, and the hard way being the whiteboards that I was taught, right? Because it forced me to learn every single step within the business. And because that, that led into me being able to understand where automation applied, where leverage applied. And I start, and then as I started to scale, I started to hire people because I knew what had to be done. Not some package that got sold to me, not some idea that got sold to me that may or may not be the right path, but an actual path that worked. And now I could plug in people to do like, oh, you know what? I do this five to 10 times a day and it's really not making me any money, but it's got to get done. Cool. That's, that's open door for a VA to now do that. And now you know exactly what they should be doing, or you know exactly how to plug that. You know, you then know what automation you're even looking for. Like what's going to be the most beneficial to you is going to be as you're running your day, what is the most mundane thing I do? That's, that's how we figured out the whole comping thing. Oh, this is taking us five minutes times 10 plus leads a day. That's an hour a day spent on just that thing, whether we have a phone call or not. Well, we need to have more phone calls in order to get to more offers. So let's automate that, remove the hour. And now we have more phone calls every day. So you won't, but I didn't see those things until, and because we were manually doing, even when we built in the software, the reason we spent tens of thousands of dollars was I thought I had a great process in a system. And I did on whiteboards. As soon as we put it into software and learned what software could do, it was like, well, that sucks. We could automate <laughs> that with one click. So how do we automate that? And then once we automated it, it was, the, it was the ebb and flow of, nah, a person was better here than this clicking a button. This is causing a problem, not resolving a problem. So let's remove it. And it took a year of all of that figuring out back and forth. That's the complexity you talk about, right? But that's building from scratch. That I would never encourage anyone to do unless you have a monster business and you fully intend to do nothing but always do that. Um, otherwise, just go find a software company that's already got it figured out and continues to spend their time refining it, what they learned from the thousands of users they had. Totally. And I think, you know, one of the things that I observed, you know, in my business when I was, you know, uh, getting all these software packages and everything is, is stuff they'll all ask you, what industry are you in? And you'll, you know, real estate. And that's, oh, we have all these pre-built configurations and nine out of 10 of them are for real estate agents. And that uh -huh. one last remaining one is maybe for like a property manager yep. or you know, something like that, but not really for investors. And, and it's great that, you know, uh, folks like you and, and, and others out there, I don't, although I can't think of any offhand, are building things specifically for real estate investors because there was a big hole in the market. There was. Yeah, I did. There was no, to your point, there was exactly that. And there was no good solution for what I needed. And when we bought the pre-built ones, we're like, well, that, that's not what I do. <laughs> that's missing like five steps in the process. That's not going to solve any problems for us. And that led us into like, well, we're going to have to build this thing ourselves. And that was, that was Podio on a blank slate and a bunch of programmers and and uh, I call it bu bubble, game, bubble gum and duct taping things together. <laughs> 
with all kinds of other stuff. They're like, well, if this tool would talk to this tool here, that would solve that problem. But then I need this other tool to do this here. And that's what we had to do. Right. And now there's, there's definitely more people doing what I do and building software that helps specifically real estate investors. Um, I happen to believe we're the best, but I'm also biased. Well, of course, we're all, we're so all biased. That's fair. We're all biased. I, and I better be. <laughs> that's right. True. I use I think, my own product. That's well, yeah, that's good. I think Podio, Podio is a great example. It's very powerful, but it's, it is. it's so customizable. It's one that I started with and I was like, I have no idea what to do here because there's, there's, there's so much you can do with it that yes. I needed, you know, more constraints just so I could, you know, again, it's too complex. It it's too yeah, much. It's, it's, you will, you will do what I did and you will get in and go, Oh, Oh, and it can do that. Okay. So let's, and then you, you end up getting off track on what you, what your purpose is, which is closing more deals, not building more technology. A hundred percent. Now, which is why I sold everything to focus on that because I, I just realized the same thing when I went down that road, like, oh, I can't do both full time. Like that's not possible. focus. Focus is good. Yeah. yeah. Now a big question. I think everybody in real estate wants to ask now of the experts is, is what is working right now? And I want to, you know, kind of follow that up with, you mentioned about automating property values. And we've seen probably the biggest uh, folks doing that right now is, is Zillow. They're out buying properties. And there's been recent news that all indications are that they're losing money on these properties they're buying. They're way overpaying. And now they're selling them at a loss because they tried to automate too much. Yep. How can we as investors add these automations, but also not go out to market thinking, you know, getting too big for our britches and paying 30% over, you know, fair market value and losing money. You know what I mean? I do. And so my, that's why um, my point earlier was to say, you should automate it from a perspective uh, on the comping specifically, right? Is to say, here's a ballpark of what this house might be worth. Don't waste five minutes figuring that out before you get on the phone with the seller find out with the seller what you want to do. Now, before I would put any hard EMD or earnest money deposit um, down on a property, I would confirm and spend my time on that lead confirming the actual value and what I really believe I could do with it in this market. That I would spend time on. But look at instead of doing five minutes for 10 to 20 leads a day, that may be one or two that you potentially have offers on that you feel like are strong now you're only, and now you're still only spending the same five to 10 minutes or maybe even 20 minutes to really dial in that value because now you have a potential deal. I would never automate that part. Like I don't like the automating offers, at least not ones that could get accepted because you're, you're, you're leaving yourself too much to chance. And the, the number one thing is that's it's just automating the follow-up, making sure that you're constantly having conversations. Here's the bottom line. Any part of real estate, no matter what you do, you absolutely must have conversations and make offers, period. Someone has to. Some person needs to do that. And there, that has to be a person component because you need to verify the value. And in Zillow's case, I've even heard rumor that they're going to stop their buying program or or may have already halted it because it wasn't effective. Part of that, too, is, is people have to understand they, they knew they would lose money. Um, so that it wasn't like they didn't know that they, and so there's, there's a, there was an intention. I think they totally misguided everything, but nonetheless, big, big money like that is looking at way more than we're even considering when we look at, or oh, buying a house and they're losing money. Yeah. But they're not after the money on the house. They were after all the ancillary products that tie to that house and developing the commissions on the agency, the title part, the insurance part, the mortgage part, and taking small cuts across a multitude of things that all touch that one piece of property. And so for them, it was 
it's called a lost leader, right? In some business, like the house that we know we have to make money off of, they can afford to lose money or be very small margin because they're going to make the same profit we do or more across the 10 other businesses that are involved in that same transaction, which I believe that you would have started to see Zillow offers would have had Zillow titles, Zillow insurance, Zillow agencies, Zillow, Zillow everything so that they'd make money off everything. Wow. Well, uh, you know, I, I know a hedge fund that does something like that. Like they're like, how do we get, we own the property managers. We own the grass cutters. We own the right. Like everything that touches that bit down to like, if it touches the property, what is it? And we want to cut of it. Like, so they're making, you know, there's another company I know out in Utah does, this is how they structured and they literally have 30 points of profit. So yeah, it's wow. little till you add all 30 together. You're like, oh, they made 10 times more than I did making a profit off of one. Flip. How did they do that? That's because they, they're pretty smart. <laughs> they own where the, the appliances come from. They own the company that cuts the grass. Like you said, they own the, the plumber or, you know, the general yeah, or they get a, Hey, you get into our network and we have 10,000 properties to service and we get a cut of your deal. We get, we get 1% of every offer you make. We get $50 for every contract that's accepted, right? Like just crazy little stuff like that. So they can monetize across the, everything that touches that property. Interesting. I don't think they got there, but that that's why they would go into it losing money on purpose. Well, that's that, that old saying of, oh, this company, how are they ever going to succeed? They lose money on every unit they sell. Yeah, but they'll make it up in volume. Well, that's... Yeah, that's you don't see the other volume and the other 10 uh, income streams that are coming off that you don't know about. Hey, well, there's I, I'll accept that there's there are always things that I don't know, but I, I'm going to stick to losing money on every deal seemingly is not it's a bad deal. strategy. <laughs> Not a strategy I'm going to implement. I'm no. not going to go figure out everything they did. I'm just not going to lose money on any deal if I can do it. I'm, I'm right there I'm with, with you. you. Well, great. Right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. Have you ever wanted to invest in the private lending and debt side of real estate? You might find that going out and finding borrowers on your own is tough. When you find a borrower, you have the task of evaluating their plan all on your own. And the traditional way of lending private money highly concentrates your risk because you'll probably be funding the whole rehab loan on your own. That meant writing loan checks well into the hundreds of thousands of dollars, placing a lot of risk in individual borrowers and properties. Not to mention, there's a lot for you to know in terms of how to structure these loans so that you can help protect yourself and work with the borrower in your interests. Now, there's a new way to invest in the debt side of real estate that turns the private money lending space on its head. You can invest in a variety of debt instruments with this new platform with as little as $10 in each opportunity. You can diversify your investment across a wide variety of borrowers, geographies, and asset types. This new platform is called GroundFloor. They make it easy to invest in either your name or using your self-directed IRA. And if you don't already have a self-directed IRA, don't worry. They make it easy to get started and get one opened. Go to www.passivewealthstrategy.com slash ground floor to get started or click the link in the show notes. See the ground floor site for full terms and details of what they offer. Once again, that's www.passivewealthstrategy.com slash ground floor or click the link in the show notes. Back to the show. All right, Robert, I've got three questions. I ask every guest on the show, are you ready? I am ready. Great. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? Of course, you would say other than my education because that is the best investment. 
Um, the best investment besides that was in technology and automation, 100%, because my my business 10xed from that. That it took me longer than I wanted to, but nonetheless, it 10xed everything about my business and where I'll go moving forward because of my knowledge of automation now. 100%. Love it. We had the best investment. Now we go to the other side of that coin, the worst investment. What is the worst investment you ever made? <sighs> A property <laughs> that uh, that I didn't know enough about or understand enough about what happens when you get into walls and there's just crap behind it and then you bury yourself. So I've, I've definitely lost money on a property and probably one of the worst investments outside of like, if I try to keep it to real estate. I made a bad investment in another business idea, but to me, it's just a learning lesson. Um, but yeah, definitely... Probably I don't have many of those stories on real estate, but early on, it definitely would be a underestimating rehab thinking what you can see on the surface is it. And that's not, you've got to be planning for more than that. Is that something you think you could mitigate by getting, let's say, more experienced eyes on the property before you buy 100%. it, especially at the beginning? Yeah, I'm, I'm personally now with my own experience, I'm way beyond that. And mm -hmm. that would never happen to me again. There's well, always the hard potential way. unforeseen, but I did learn the hard way. And yeah, a good set of eyes can like a simple thing like, oh, didn't notice that that floor kind of feels a little wavy. There, there's a structural issue there <laughs> that is someone that knows what they're doing would have known that instantly and where to go look, right? So always, always try to get someone who knows what they're doing in that area. Don't think you're the smart handyman. Cause you're probably not. <laughs> uh, you know, I love that. There's a, there's a gentleman in my area in, in Virginia who literally does that as a business for investors. And I've had him look at a few properties and just the amount of knowledge that he has. I mean, it, uh, he's not charging enough. It's a great deal. And especially for new investors, he's going to show like a wavy floor example is really good mm -hmm. or, or a, a window that's not quite square. Well, oh, hey, tilted a little wrong. Uh -huh. Right. Right. And uh, I just had that. I literally had a deal under contract in another state. And because I have a trusted contractor for that, I said, man, everything in me says this is a $40,000 rehab, maybe on the high end of 50 for some of what I can't see um, in the pictures sent him out. And it's, it's 65 plus wavy floors. Can't see that in the picture. Can't see that by an agent. The agent's not going to know that to tell me, right? That one thing was like, no, dude, we're going to have to pull this for the structure. We're going to have to rip the floor out. Like, yeah, I didn't plan any of that. <laughs> That's why I send someone before I close on anything. 100%. 100%. Learn the hard way. My favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing? The most important lesson and the one that continues to recur itself as I grow in any investment or business is the power of focus, singular focus. Um, it is, I'm just constantly reminded of it. Every time I forget about it, I find myself in a chaotic position, things not going the way they should. And I can always look down and find out that I'm clearly not focused and I'm trying to be everything to everybody or do multiple things. And as soon as I can eliminate, say no to a bunch of stuff and focus on the outcome that I'm after, I'll get what I want. Um, and it's just, it's a repetitive lesson. <laughs> Keeps teaching. Always, 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 it will keep to, and you, I will always find a way to get unfocused because it's very easy to do in today's world. Mm -hmm. And I will instantly get reminded when I'm not getting the results I want that, yeah, oh, look at, oh, look at all that stuff I'm doing that I don't need to do. Great. Let me get back to focus and we'll get this ship back where it needs to go. So that, focus hands down. 
That's a great point. That that's one that's held me back. And I know, I know many others. It's shiny object syndrome is a big, you know, kind of buzz phrase for that. And and I'm certainly oh, yeah. susceptible to that myself. Me as well. too. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us today. If folks want to reach out, if they want to get in touch, I mean, I know you've got some uh, free stuff for us here as well. Where can they reach out? Where can they find you? Where can they get all that stuff? Yeah, the absolute best place to contact me in any way that works for you is I am Rob360. Com. From there, you can connect me on social media, text, email. I have a couple free free giveaway links on there for free stuff related to real estate. Um, anything that I'm ever doing will be available at that kind of like a hub site for me. Nice. I like that. It's like a, a creative little link tree there. You know? It is. Oh, yeah. It's just like a link tree. It looks just a little bit fancier. Nice. Nice. Well, thank you once again for joining us today. To everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars if you don't mind. I appreciate that so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys. It gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street casino along with us. If you know anyone who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and bring them into the tribe. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. I hope you have a great rest of your day and we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.